may be seated in his presence this morning. You know, it's amazing in these times that it's, you know, we go back to songs like that. And it might seem like something that is just ritual or, but I know that when it's in times of trouble, it's, it just brings peace to my soul that know that, you know what, in these times, God, give me the grace to trust you more. God, give me the grace to, to not bury my head in the sand or not to, to ignore the storms around me and to, to not see it, but to know that you see the storms and yet you speak peace over our life. That in times of trouble that we can know we can have grace to trust you even more that you will not leave us or forsake us. You know, this week, um, there's been a lot going on this week, right? We, we've seen... Um, We've seen not only our world, but our nation. And so often, um, we are so privileged in America. And I was just thinking this week, and, and as everything is unfolding, and, and so many times we, we see things hit in nations uh, across this world, and in uh, epidemics, and things in China, and, and things in other countries, in Africa, and different nations. But so rarely in America do we have this hit our shores. We have been protected and, and, and even, I believe, divinely protected at times uh, from mass outbreaks. And God has spared us from certain things. And I think part of the panic and part of what is going on uh, is because we're not used to seeing a lot of this. We're not, seeing, we're not used to seeing this. In fact, I would say that it is unprecedented in my lifetime. I've never seen it or experienced anything uh, like this uh, since I, in my 39 years on this earth. But at the same time, I don't think I've ever seen the opportunity that God for God to move in a situation and to be glorified. I've never seen the opportunity like what we have now. I'll just to, to let you know, we've made the choice to keep, obviously, to keep having services and giving an opportunity for those of you who want to to worship. And as you can see, it's no secret we are <laughs> we have are much fewer in number and we had various ones texting us and and um you know sending us message messages this weekend that they would not be participating and that's fine that that we understand and I encourage you listen if you know whatever to whatever extent that you need to protect yourself and your family um, we don't begrudge anybody that but the reason why in, in prayer and consideration we chose to to gather and to meet is because I felt like all week long, we are bombarded on all sides with fear, with messages of fear, with messages of panic, with messages of, I mean, you, you know it's bad when, I mean, when people are panicking over toilet paper, you know it gets bad. You know, I'm looking around saying, man, we got a whole lot of trees out there. I can Adam and Eve this thing real quick. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is no panic in my home. We'll just go, we got a maple tree out front. That'll work, you know? <laughs> And, you know, it's just amazing how this panic and, oh, my goodness, it spreads like this and it spreads like that. And, and, and we just leave. We just have this message of fear constantly. And even in our own household, like, um, you know, my son comes out the, uh, Friday night. He comes out of the room and, and says that one of our friends up in Indiana, their teenage son, he says, Isaiah has coronavirus. He was talking through his brother online and uh, they're, they're gaming online. And he says, Isaiah has coronavirus. And. And all of a sudden, it's this panic, and all of a sudden, Mackenzie looks over, and she says, can it spread through Wi-Fi? I said, no, baby, we got virus protection. You know? 
But it's amazing how our minds will allow us to go to certain places of fear and it, and it just becomes the more it bombards us. And even myself, who I'm probably, I'm one of those guys who cares the least. In fact, I kept, I, there is a button on my shirt that's open. Why didn't somebody tell me that this morning? I'm glad I found that out before it got embarrassing. Um, but, you know, even myself, I'm one of those guys that it's like, um, I, I kept telling Jessica, in fact, she's been watching this thing for, for over a month now, and she's like, well, it's happening this, and it's doing that, and, it's, and uh, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing these things happen in Asia and in Italy and all this stuff. And I, kept, I just kept saying the same thing. Hey, when it gets to our house, let me know. When it knocks on our door, let me know. I'm not worried about it. But, you know, for a guy like myself who I just kind of go through life uh, sometimes um, unaware and, and even uh, just you know, kind of ignorantly going through, uh, these things don't really bother me, but I found myself even, uh, just starting to have this little bit of fear and panic, like, oh my goodness, like, you know, going to the store and seeing, uh, all of the people at Publix and, and they're get, I mean, they've just got two shopping carts full of groceries and, and all of this stuff. And it's like, I start to get a little bit worried. And I think it's that fear of the unknown that, that kind of gets us. And so we've made the decision to continue worshiping for as long as we'll continue to monitor uh, government regulations. And obviously, uh, if our government says that we cannot any longer worship uh, together, then, then we will abide by the laws of the land and we will do that. But at this point, um, we, are, we are able to. And so if nothing else, for those that want to, for those that can, for those who need it, I want this to be a place of prayer and of hope. I want us to be as open for as long as we can for, for people to come here and hear the message of hope in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Um, now, a couple of logistical things. We are going to suspend uh, all of any of our other activities, small groups. We're going to take a temporary hiatus um, just as a measure of uh, precaution and, and so that those who don't want to go to people's homes or, or you don't want to have people in your home, um, you can you know, not have an awkward conversation with anybody or like, we're just going to take, take a moment and just take a break from, from our small groups. But we're going to continue to worship for as long as we can uh, together and, and corporately. Um, and so this morning, though, uh, if we could, if you'll allow me, um, I'm going to I'm going to pause our series on the kingdom. I, I see you have the graphic up there. I haven't really told anybody this, so it's not uh, their fault. You can you can take that down um, if it's OK with you. Um, we're just going to put a pin in our kingdom series for right now. Um, last night, as I was <coughs> laying on the uh, couch uh, or sitting on the couch, no, I was laying on the couch, um, and, and I just felt God just kind of speaking in my, in my spirit a little bit. And, and, you know, we've, as pastors, you know, I, I prepare days, you know, and weeks in advance. And, um, you know, I already had all my notes and, and, you know, six pages worth of really good notes. Like, I mean, just great stuff. And I'm like, God, man, we've got some really good stuff. And he's like, you know, it'll wait a week. It'll be all right. And God just kind of spoke a verse into my heart. And so if it's okay with you, I just, I kind of want to share with you this morning um, the, the verse and, and some of the things that God has put on my spirit and, and just share with you kind of um, what the Holy Spirit is leading and, and directing me. Would that be all right? So you guys will forgive me if it's not as polished and, and pretty as it normally is, right? <laughs> but I, God started giving me this verse. And it's something that, you know, I, I think it's even uh, kind of 
not ironic, but funny, is it's one of the most popular verses in all of Scripture. Something that whether you grew up in church or not, you are probably uh, familiar with or aware of. But so many times in God's Word and God's Scripture, we overlook the familiar. We, tend, we have a tendency to, to gloss over the deep truths of God's Word because we've heard it so many times or we've seen it on, uh, you know, we've, we've seen it on uh, Chip and Joanna Gaines, like artwork or, you know, Hobby Lobby has a, you know, a, a cardboard cutout or something. I don't know what they make at Hobby Lobby that, you know, has this scripture painted on it. And so we just become inundated. And sometimes scripture, we can lose the, the, the potency, if you will. We can, we can lose the weapon that is God's word. And so this morning, the, the scripture that God gave me just to, to give you for this week, and I want to encourage you, I want, I want you to write it down, I want you to put it in your soul, I want you to commit it to memory, I, if you don't already have it, um, put it somewhere this week where it is visible in your household. But this morning, we want to take a look at Psalm 23. The Psalm 23, which is one of David's psalms. And uh, David, at this point, is uh, what, what we understand about the, with the writing of this psalm. David is already king. We don't know the exact time frame, but he is already king. He has already been through uh, more than any of us can imagine from being a shepherd boy. And he's reflecting on his time as a as a shepherd and, and growing up and being the, the youngest son and then being anointed king but being on the run and, and all of these battles but all of these uh, all of his high points but then also all of his uh, low points where he's in the cave and he's running for his life and he's having spears thrown at him and, and these ups and downs and David is reflecting as king now he's in, and he's not done going through trials. He would still have more, uh, even up to the final moments of his life. But he's reflecting on, on these things and going back. And he pens Psalm 23, one of the greatest uh, passages of Scripture um, in all of God's Word. And in fact, uh, I, I looked up a quote uh, from Charles Spurgeon that I just thought it would be um, appropriate to read uh, to you this morning when talking about Psalm 23 and the power of Psalm 23 it says it has Charles Spurgeon wrote it has a charmed it has charmed more griefs to rest than all the philosophy of the world it has remanded to their dungeon more felon thoughts more black doubts more thieving sorrows than there than there are sands on the seashore it has comforted the noble host of the poor. It has sung courage to the army of the disappointed. It has poured balm and consolation into the heart of the sick, of captives in dungeons, of widows in their pinching griefs, of orphans in their loneliness. Dying soldiers have died easier as it was read to them. Ghastly hospitals have been illuminated. It has visited the prisoner and broken his chains. And like Peter's angel led them forth in imagination and sung him back to his home again. It has made the dying Christian slave freer than his master. And consoled those whom dying he left behind mourning. Not so much that he was gone as because they were left behind and could not go to. What a powerful, powerful, powerful image that it paints of the Psalm 23. 
that it has gone through fire, it has gone through and been there in times of trial and tribulation. And I think so many aspects of, of what he is saying as he is talking about this passage of Scripture applied today as, as we are going through trial, as we are going through uh, bombardment of fear and, and these things and the unknown of, of life and the uncertainty of what will happen tomorrow and, and how this world is going to react See, as we look at Psalm 23, it is a powerful psalm, and I'm going to read it for you in its entirety, and then we'll, we'll kind of talk about it a little bit for a little while. It says, starting in verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd, and I'm going to, if, you, if, you, if it's okay with you, I'm going a little old school today. Um, this is, I broke out, I have never used this Bible before. Um, in fact, this Bible, I didn't, I forgot that it even had my name on it, but I have never used this Bible before. This is my official bishop's Bible. Everybody say, ooh, ah, yeah, it's really cool, but I've never, it even has that new Bible smell. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. I've never, I have used the Bible before, but just not this translation because this is a King James version and, and I don't speak uh, Elizabethan English. So for those of you who are all about the King James, today is your day. Enjoy it because I do not use the King James very often, but uh, I, I'm doing a little, little old school today and, and enjoying some of the old King James uh, roots, if that's okay. <laughs> There's like five of you. Amen, brother. That's the only real word. Um, nobody here. Everybody knows. And so in the King James Version in Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Powerful words. Spoken by the most powerful man in all of the world at that time. You know, it's amazing to me that in times of this great time of trouble and we see this, uh, all of these happenings and, and we see all of this room for panic and for fear and so little is about encouragement. I cannot help but have hope because see here we, we have the, the most powerful man in all of the world at that time, King David, the king of the most powerful nation on the planet earth and he is talking about the Lord as his shepherd. He is referencing the Lord, and although that there is fear all around him, that he will not panic. See, it's amazing to me, even this morning, as I read the presidential proclamation, proclaiming today as a national day of prayer. Now, see, I don't care which way your political leanings are, but in my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this. 
See, we, we look all around and we see the, the fear and the panic and we don't know what's happening to the church. And yet we see the, the most powerful man in the most powerful nation putting out a proclamation that today in the most powerful nation on the face of this earth, it will be a day of prayer. And if you read his proclamation, he cites scripture. First Peter chapter 2, Psalm 91, Luke chapter 1. He is, he is cycling scripture in the lives of those who do not do not know it yet see it's an opportunity for hope it's an opportunity for God to be glorified see here we see King David and he could have referenced God as so many things he he could have referenced him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords and he could have referenced him as the mighty conqueror David knew him in battle he's known him in miracles he's known him in his strength and yet he says, not the Lord is my conqueror, the Lord is my, uh, my defense, which he's used that in other places. But he uses it in this context to say, the Lord is my shepherd. Now, a shepherd was not one of those who was high regarded in society. For those that don't know, the shepherd, that was a menial task. That was something that you look at it just in David's life. He understood it more than anybody. They didn't send the biggest, strongest, tallest, you know, most capable brother to go tend the sheep. They sent the runt. They sent the little guy. They sent the most insignificant person to go tend the sheep. And so when David... Uh, when David is referencing God as his shepherd, it is no slight to God. It is because David, having reflected on his time as spending time as a shepherd, he knows the shepherd's attitude towards the sheep. See, he knows the care that the shepherd puts into the sheep. He knows what it takes to be a shepherd, and he knows God's feelings towards him. See, he is characterizing God as the shepherd, although it would be a lowly profession because nobody wants to go be around a bunch of dirty, difficult sheep, right? He understands that, that being a shepherd is not an easy job. But he understands the proximity has to be right there in the midst of everything that is happening. And he equates God, the Almighty, the conqueror, not to this conquering hero, hero, but he brings this closeness in relationship and saying, God, your desire is that no matter what it is that I go through, you are my shepherd, you are right there with me. That your desire is to be there in relationship to me, to care for me. And see, this morning, no matter what it is that we go through, the Lord is our shepherd. No matter how much we, we want to distance ourselves from things, it doesn't matter how much we desire to distance ourselves. God never distances himself from us. He is always right there with us. His desire is to be our shepherd. His desire is to be your shepherd. That no matter what you go through, no matter how insignificant you think that you are, no matter whatever is troubling you, no matter what is uh, happening on the inside of your life, the shepherd cares. See, every aspect of, of what is happening with the sheep, the shepherd cares. 
Whether one is limping, whether one is wounded, whether one is acting strange, whether one is, is not uh, with the, the correct mother, and, or, or whether uh, these things that happen throughout the herd. He, he wants to know every detail. Every day, the shepherd is, is minding the sheep, and he's inspecting the sheep, and he's making sure that the sheep are healthy, and he's leading the sheep, and he's taking them places where they need to go, and he's leading them and directing them to, to get nourishment and food, and he's leading and directing them to get water and and drink. See, God's desire is to have close proximity to us. And no matter what it is that we go through, he wants to be our shepherd this morning and care for every detail of our life. Verse 2, he says, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leadeth me. In, a, in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. See, his desire is that no matter what is going on, no matter what is around in the outside world, he wants to lead us to that place of rest. He wants to lead you to that place of, uh, of nourishment. He wants to lead you to that place of fresh water. See, too often we, we don't want to be led. See, too often we want to do our own thing. Too often we want to give in to, to those in the surroundings. See, here's what I know about sheep. The problem with sheep is sheep are dumb. Not calling anybody in this room. But sheep are not very intelligent animals. And sometimes when sheep see something, they will get distracted. You ever had that happen to you? See, sometimes... Sheep will, will see something out in the distance or, or, or they'll take their eyes or their ears off of the leading of the shepherd and all of a sudden they begin to move. All of a sudden they begin to get distracted. All of a, all of a sudden they begin to wander. See, if, it's not, if we're not careful, as we, as we begin to get bombarded with other voices, as we begin to get bombarded with the Fox News and with the CNN and with uh, whatever it is, what, NBC and whatever it is, that news channel that you subscribe to, we become distracted from the truth of God's word and see what happens is we begin to go down paths of fear we begin to go down paths that the shepherd is not leading us see that we're going astray and the shepherd is not taking us into these places but we're becoming distracted by a voice that is not the one that we're intended to listen to and so there are times, and even before uh, this uh, whole pandemic and all this thing began to happen, even as our nation has begun to listen to voices of culture, our nation has begun to listen to liberal voices and voices that would take us away from God's word, we have, began, we have begun as a Christian nation, we are founded on the principles of God's word, and we have strayed away from the principles and the truths and the leading of the shepherd. See, what happens? See, his desire is for us to be at peace. His desire is the shepherd is leading us into places of green pasture, but there are times when sheep just stray. There are times when street, sheep just want to do what, what they want to do, and they, they get outside of the bounds of, of what the shepherd has for them. They let their thoughts wander. And so he continues, and he says, and this is where everything up until now has been roses, right? Everything up until now, David is speaking light, he's speaking hope. I mean, it sounds all good. It sounds great, right? We want God to lead us to green pastures. We want God to restore our soul, give us rest, give us peace, give us nourishment for the journey. All of this sounds wonderful. But then he says, yea, though I walk. Through the valley of the shadow of death. See, he knows 
as a shepherd, as you are leading them from nourishment, you cannot stay in the same place. You cannot feed off of the same field. The shepherd has to keep the sheep moving forward. He's got to take them to new places of nourishment. If they're going to grow, if they're going to be healthy, he's got to continue to move the sheep through, uh, through different terrain. And so he knows that there are going to be times when the shepherd has to take them through rough terrain and through rocky ground. And sometimes as the sheep wander, they're going to go into places that they were never intended to go. And the shepherd has to lead them back. And he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The shadow of death. See, I find that so interesting. Because you know, how many of you as a kid, and, and nobody has to raise their hand so they're not embarrassed, how many of you as a kid found yourself at one point or another, you were afraid of your own shadow? You don't have to raise your hand. I don't want to embarrass anybody here. But I've seen this happen, and, and kids who are uh, afraid of their, they don't quite understand. And in fact, uh, you know, they, they look at their shadow, and they think it's some kind of monster because it looks like ground. You have to be like, hey, Johnny, hey, Susie, you know, don't worry about it. It's not, there's nothing really there. It's just a shadow. See, how many times are we afraid of shadows? If I had a title to this message this morning, I would tell you this. It's only a shadow. If there was one thing that, that God is speaking to us this morning that he wants you to know, it's only a shadow. See, it's not the end. We don't have to fear death. It's only a shadow. See, and shadows change. See, if you're walking through mountains, if you're walking through valleys, and, and we've had the opportunity to hike, I've had the opportunity to hike in Tennessee and in Colorado and some of the biggest mountain ranges on earth. And one thing I've, I've found is that, that shadows change. See, if you're afraid of a shadow, then you're always going to have a problem because no matter where you go, if you're afraid of shadows, there's always going to be a shadow. No matter where you go, you're, there's going to be, during the day, it might change, but you're always going to see shadows. And as you walk through the valley, as you walk into that place that, that is, uh, seems like it's scary, and, and when you're in the mountains, there's a lot of shadows all around. But see, here's what I noticed when I'm, when I'm walking in, in those valleys, when I was hiking in Colorado, when we were hiking in Tennessee, the same thing was true every single time. The higher the sun was in the sky, the fewer the shadows on the ground. Hear me this morning. The higher the sun in the sky, when the sun was at its highest point, at 12 noon, when the sun was high, the shadows weren't there anymore. See, this morning, I want to encourage you that as, as we go through this and, and we see the shadow of fear and the, the shadow of death and, and we see these shadows all around and, and the enemy would want to discourage us. The enemy would say, look at all the darkness. Look at how dark it is. Look at, look at everything around you. Look at the fear. Look at the panic. See, I would encourage you this morning that in that moment, that you begin to lift up the name of Jesus. Because let me tell you something this morning. That as we begin to lift up the sun high, the higher we lift up the sun, the fewer the shadows. Somebody give him praise. I mean, I know we don't have a whole lot of us here this morning. But it's worthy. His name is worthy of praise this morning. 
See, when the enemy wants to speak fear, when he wants to speak shadow in your life, when he wants to speak death and destruction in your life, you speak Jesus. You lift him up all the higher. You know what? The higher the sun, the less the shadows. The higher you speak Jesus, the higher you put him in your life, the less you have to fear. And you can go through any valley. You can go through any low place. You can go through any rough terrain because you have nothing to fear. You know why they call it the shadow of death? Because a shadow is only cast based on something else. See, and there's, it can't be death itself because Jesus already conquered death. And so we don't have to worry about death. We only have the shadow of death because Jesus came and conquered the dead, the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Could somebody say amen this morning? Amen. See, you have nothing to fear. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I walk through. See, the valley was not a destination or a dwelling place. The valley is a place that God wants to walk us through. And see, we go through times. We go through times of valleys. We go through times of mountains, but we go through times of valleys. But see, it's in the, those moments that he is leading us and he is saying, listen, I want to walk through this with you. I want to show you that I am your shepherd. I want to show you that, that you can say, the Lord is my shepherd. He will lead me through any valley that we have to go through. And you have nothing to fear. You have nothing to be afraid of. He goes on to say, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now that sounds kind of strange because, and ordinarily we would think, the rod and the staff and the shepherd's crook as it was used, would be used to, to fend off and to defend the, the herd. But see, it's also used for other purposes. And see, the reason why the shepherd's crook is, is a comfort to David is because he knows that any time that the sheep go astray, any time that the sheep wander, any time that they get lost in the valley, any time that they get distracted, that they get their eyes on the shadows and they start wandering away, that the shepherd would literally take the crook and he would wrap it up around them. He would go up under them and wrap it around their neck, and he would bring them back to the herd. See, this morning, I believe that God will allow us to go through things. God will allow us to go through valleys. And then as we begin to wander, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes we don't like it. Sometimes uh, uh, it doesn't make sense. But God will grab us by the neck and bring us back and say, oh, no, I'm not letting you get away. I'm not letting you get away. I'm not letting you go down that path of fear. I'm not letting you go down that path of anxiety and depression. I want to lead you. See, this morning, God wants to lead you. God wants to lead you in the path that is his and keep you from the path of fear and anxiety, depression, and whatever else the enemy would come against you. And this isn't just a word for today, but this is a word for your life. See, so much of, even before all of this started, so much of what the enemy has been trying to do is to spread fear, to sow anxiety, to spread discord, to get your mind off of the truth of God's word that he is your shepherd, that although you walk through valleys, although you walk through walk, rocky places, that he is leading you and there with you. He wants to be your shepherd in the valley. Notice in times of trouble, David didn't call him your king. David didn't call him your king. He called him your shepherd. That's how close that God wants you to be. In the valley, when you go through the toughest moments of your life, he is your shepherd. Close proximity, not far away, not shouting from a distance. God isn't distant from you right now. 
The news would want you to think so. The news would want to paint a picture that God is not anywhere in this. But let me tell you something. I see God in everything. Everything that's happening right now. And he is taking his shepherd's crook and he is leading his people back to him. Back to the truth of his word. And saying, trust in me. Know that I am with you. Know that I want relationship with you. Know that I want to carry you through this. Know that I will not leave you nor forsake you. Know my word is true. He is your shepherd. And lastly, as we kind of wrap up this morning, he's, he is our goodness and our mercy. Verse 5, he says, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. See, even in the times of great trouble, we don't have to feel empty. Our cup can run over. We don't have to feel stressed. We don't have to feel strained. We can run over with the peace that passes all understanding. And not only will it flow through us, not only will we be full, but it says run it over. That means that it'll spill onto other people if we let it. See, it is our place, it is our purpose, it is our purpose on this earth to spread the good news of this book right here. And in these times right here, it's our time for the church to stand up and say, my cup runneth over, and that peace that I have, you can have it too. See, this is our opportunity, church, to be the church that God has called us to be, to point them to a loving shepherd who wants relationship with them. And there in verse 6, at the conclusion of this incredible passage, this incredible life-giving verse of Scripture, David makes this declaration for his life. It is not a passive statement. It is a declarative statement that I would encourage you this morning. Put it on your, your chalkboard at home or your whiteboard or your refrigerator or wherever you're going to see it. Put it on your mirror if you have to. If nothing else, you repeat this verse every single day where he says in verse 6, He declares, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Goodness and mercy. God's plan for you every single day of your life is goodness and mercy. We're going to go through valleys. We're going to go through rocky places. But that doesn't mean that his goodness and his mercy don't follow us every single place that we go. In times of trouble. In, in good times when we're on the top of the mountain, his goodness and mercy is there. In bad times. When we feel like everything around us, there's shadows and death and rocky places. And there's, there's all of this uh, disturbance and fear and anxiety, goodness and mercy. See, another word for mercy, when the, when the Hebrews refer to that word for mercy, if you look it up in the, the original text, that word mercy means steadfast love. <sighs> steadfast love. So that no matter what it is, no matter how as, as ignorant sheep, no matter how you stray, no matter how you give in. Maybe this week you've given in to some fear. 
Maybe you've given in to some panic. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't exercise caution. We are wise. God has given us a mind. God has, God has given us uh, these things to, to, to be cautious, to take precautions for ourselves and for others. We're not foolish. But that doesn't mean that we substitute for faith. That doesn't mean that, that as, the, as the world sows fear, that doesn't mean that, that we have to bite that, that we have to swallow that. See, it doesn't mean that, that we can't still have faith in the, in the face of everything else around us. Fear. See, surely goodness and mercy, surely steadfast love will follow you all of the days of your life. All of the days of your life. And you will dwell in the house of the Lord. The house of the Lord is a place of perfect peace. See, one day we're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That, that place is a place of, of everlasting. We're going we're gonna to go to heaven when God calls us home, even by, by way of the grave or, or by way of the rapture. We're all going to meet him one day, and we're going to dwell in his house forever according to Scripture and, and, and according to prophecy. But see, what David is referring to is the house of the Lord, which is the place of peace. It's a place of comfort. It's a place where, just like in your own home, you feel safe. It's a place of refuge. And he says, even in the times that we go through the valley, I can dwell in the house of peace. I can dwell in the house of the Lord. No matter what it is, I don't know what's ahead of us. I, I can't tell you. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I can't control it. You can't control it. The government can't control it as much as they would like to. I, I don't know what the future holds, but I can say this. I know who holds my future. Some trust in men, some trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. See, nobody else, and I've told this to Jessica, listen, I don't want to get sick, but if the good Lord decides that that's the way that I'm going home, then I will rejoice all the way to glory. Because the enemy doesn't determine what happens with my life. The shepherd leads my life. Fear doesn't lead my life. The shepherd leads my life. And I will follow the shepherd wherever he chooses to take me. In mountaintops and valleys. In good times and in bad. And I will rest easy. I will sleep like a baby tonight. Knowing that surely goodness and his steadfast love will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in perfect peace because I know that he is my shepherd. This morning, I want to say a prayer, pray, pray a prayer over you. Before I do, you know, it's no accident that Christ is referred to as the good shepherd, that through him all of this is made possible, that through Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, through what he did for us, he has conquered death, hell, and the grave so that we no longer have to fear death, that all death can do is cast a shadow because he is defeated. He can only cast a shadow. He has no power in our life. And it's through our acceptance of that, that sacrifice through the cross of Jesus Christ that all of this is made possible for us, that he bridged the gap between our sin and his grace. Christ made a way where there was not previously a way. 
See, this was but a foreshadowing. This psalm was a foreshadowing of what would happen in the New Testament. It was preparing the way and pointing the way to the good shepherd. And this morning, because of Jesus Christ, we have access. And maybe there is somebody here that you have not committed your life to Jesus Christ. Now is the perfect time. No matter how far you have strayed, no matter how far you have gone off the path, the shepherd loves you and has relationship to you, and he wants to bring you back to him. To a close and intimate relationship with him. All you have to do, as Paul said, is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And you can be saved. You can have the peace that scripture says passes all understanding. When everybody else is panicking and they don't understand why you're not panicking, it's because you have peace. You can say, listen, I have a peace that you don't understand, but you can. I have a peace that fear is not my shepherd, that Jesus is my shepherd. And that he restores my soul. He, may, he leadeth me to green pastures. Yeah, I'm going to go through some valleys. I'm going to go through some difficult places. I'm going to go through times that it, it looks kind of dicey. But I know that he's going to take me to the place that ultimately he wants for me, which is a place of goodness and mercy and a place of peace. This morning, I want to encourage you as we pray, if you've not prayed that prayer of salvation, I encourage you. It's just, it's very simple. Jesus, come into my heart and be Lord of my life. Very simple. I encourage you to pray that prayer this morning. But at the same time, I, I, I invite you that as we pray, those of you who are here, the president has called for a national day of prayer, and I, it blows my mind. And I want to join with, listen, if there is a president, if there is a world leader that is going to declare and proclaim that there is a day in this nation that's a, a day of prayer, I am going to join with that brother. Lift up my voice in prayer. And as a nation, we're going to pray, not just for, listen, we, we know that God's got everything with our health and all of that stuff. We're not going to pray just for that. But we're going to pray that right now, in this moment, that God will take his shepherd's crook to the, the nation. And he'll lead us back to the place that he wants us to be. That through this valley, that through this difficult place, that God will bring revival that we will see, I'm believing for the greatest outpouring, the, the greatest evangelical revival this world has ever seen to begin right now when the enemy has sowed fear. We are going to sow faith and let it be so. And I encourage you, let's pray together this morning to see just that happen. We've got friends, brothers, loved ones, and family that they need to hear a message of hope. They need the good shepherd this morning. And as we pray, I encourage you to pray for them and pray and lift up this nation this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, as we just, we are so thankful for the opportunity that we have to lift up your name, to shout praises unto you, God. Lord, we do not take it lightly that we live in a nation that allows us to, to say what we want to say, to lift up your name unhindered and unfettered, Lord God, without persecution. And so, God, we exercise our liberties this morning. We exercise our freedom and we proclaim freedom for the captives this morning, Lord God. We pray that you would break the chains of sin and the bondage that is on this nation, Lord God. Help us to sow seeds of faith 
over fear, Lord God. Help us to be, to lift up the light, Lord God, that as we lift up the name of Jesus Christ higher and higher and higher, that every shadow of death would, would dissipate, Lord God. That as we lift up your name, your scripture says that if your son, if your name would be lifted up, that you would draw all men unto you. God, we join with churches and believers all over this nation this morning, Lord God. We lift up in one chorus, God, and we say, have your way, Lord, in us. Bring revival, Lord God, to our nation. Bring repentance to our nation, Lord God. Bring salvation to our nation, Lord God. Restore broken hearts, Lord God. Restore marriages. Restore, God, those who have wandered and those who have felt, Lord God, that they cannot come back. God, I pray that you would use us, use this people, use this church, use those who are here this morning as we go out of this place, God, to be faith and to, to be peace speakers, God, in every single situation. God, as we go out, let us be social media evangelists this week. God, if that's where the message is being heard, if that's where the darkness is being spread, then we actively take light to darkness and we are gonna go out there and we are gonna share the peace and the love and the message of Jesus Christ. God, let us be evangelists, let us be not afraid, let us rise up in faith this morning, this week, Lord God, let it be the greatest moment in the moment of this church. God, we declare it that surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life, and we will dwell in your house forever and ever and ever. God, we lift up your name, all for your glory. And God, if there is someone here who doesn't understand that they too can have the peace that passes all understanding by simply accepting your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would penetrate their hearts and know that God, you have been searching, you have been wanting, you are the shepherd that goes, that leaves the 99, that goes for the one who is strayed, that you want to be their shepherd, God. It doesn't matter what they've done, it doesn't matter what they've where they've been. It doesn't matter how far off the path that they have gone and what they have found themselves stuck in, Lord God, that you want to take the, with your love, you want to take your shepherd's crook and you want to lead them back to you, Lord God. This morning, they can have life and life everlasting. God, I pray right now that they would accept you. God, that they would accept this free gift of salvation that you are giving for them. God, dispel every darkness in their heart today. God, we lift you up. And Lord, let us take this attitude of worship. Let us take this, this anointing of your Holy Spirit and your holy grace and mercy, Lord God. Let it be, uh, our, let our cup run over, Lord God. And let us, let us not leave it here in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But God, let us take it out the doors with us, God. Let us take it to the restaurant. Let us take it to wherever it is that we go. Let us take it to, to the place of, of, of our social outlet, God, and whatever it is that we do. And God, protect us. God, I pray for healing for those who are already affected by this outbreak, God. Your, your word says that by your stripes, we are healed. God, by the stripes that, that your son took upon his back, that it is for the sake of those stripes that we can claim healing in Jesus' name. That in Jesus' name, everything else has to bow. Sickness has to bow, Lord God. Coronavirus has to bow in the name of Jesus. 
that there is nothing greater, that there is nothing that the enemy can come at us with that is greater than the name of Jesus. And so we declare healing in Jesus' name that by this, that you can receive glory, that it would all point back to you. God, we are not fearful, we are hopeful. We are not fearful, we are faithful. God, I see the winds of revival coming. I see the change of what you are doing. And God, I see what is on the horizon. And Lord, we might be in the valley, but God, I see the sun breaking over the mountain. And God, we just believe in the hope of what you are bringing, God. God, and we give you praise. God, we give you glory. God, we give you honor. And we lift you up. In Jesus' name this morning, would you give him praise one more time and lift him up as Savior this morning. Amen. Amen.